G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to talk about things that are happening at this upcoming and what I would say is very important Church and State Summit. It's almost time. It'll be the fourth year of the summit, which has become something of a highlight on the Christian leaders' calendar. As keynote speakers reflect on what it is to be salt and light in the public square. Leaders, of course, use the opportunity to network and meet with others who are engaging in the rough and tumble of what so many call a present-day cultural revolution that's happening on our watch. The founder of the summit says his personal focus this year is around courage to be criticised, unpopular, despised and rejected for being unapologetically Christian in the public conversation. Now, there are some controversial speakers on the bill. No doubt we'll talk about them, including Cardinal George Pell, live on a video link from Rome. Also, Christian politicians like Senator Matt Canavan and Christian apologists who are addressing the idea that God has been in some ways, banished from the public square and buried in science. Undoubtedly, it will be a colourful and at times controversial summit. Our special guest through this coming hour is Dave Pellow. He is the founder of the Church and State Summit. He's a conservative writer and commentator and editor of The Good Source, an opinion and news website, producing videos, podcasts and articles by some of Australia's leading independent commentators. So you'll be able to join in our conversation very shortly. We'll open our talkback lines, but let me make a special welcome back to 2020, Dave Pello. Thank you, Neil. Good morning. Hey, Dave, fourth year and things have been growing substantially over each year and uh, this one looks bigger than ever. Give us an insight into how things are coming together for the summit this weekend. It's interesting you say the words bigger than ever because uh, each year has grown in attendance 50% on the year before. However, this year we're a little bit, uh, well, significantly reduced. We might be about a third down. Uh, And that's largely to do with COVID capacity uh, and wanting to space things out. Uh, But I thought it was also a year to really emphasize the online version. And I was almost inclined to have no in-person audience. But we have got uh, you know a few hundred people coming there's about 18 tickets left uh, and we're really hoping that we get hundreds of people watching online but it is still bigger than ever uh, I feel an absolute uh, third person objective marvel at the program and speaker lineup this year as if I've had nothing to do with it um, and so I give all praise and glory to Holy Spirit for I believe, coordinating all of that. Um, things have just fallen into place. The right people said no. The right people said yes. Um, and and I'm actually blessed by Holy Spirit's hand on architecting the, the harmony between all the speakers. So there's actually a really good story flow this year, an arc of conversation 
um, which I would not <laughs> would not be able to design if I tried. Some of these things you just can't plan. Uh, they Correct. do happen, and then that's where I guess you recognise the work of God in the way the whole thing comes together. And it's not all about Dave Pello and his Certainly wonderful uh, organisational skills, but something here that I know you see is something where the hand of God is at work, yeah. bringing together the right mix of people so that... Uh, in the current situations that we find ourselves in as a nation, you've got people networking and speaking into these contexts mm. in a way that often doesn't happen, especially in the way that uh, you've set up something which is deliberately politically motivated. Definitely. My accountant would be the first to testify that I did not receive uh, the biblical gift of administration. Uh, and and so it is uh, yeah it is the grace of God that any of this works uh, at all and and it's also a testament to the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, I'm blessed that this year there are Roman Catholics and Presbyterians and High Church of England and Baptists and Pentecostal Evangelicals and and. Just everybody who calls Jesus Lord has this one thing in common, that we want the best for our neighbours. Uh, we are motivated by, by love, not a hunger for political power. Uh, and, and we see that being deliberately political is the least we can do to be good and faithful servants, uh, stewards of the democracy we've been given. Uh, and, and with that gift to to be the biggest blessing we can uh, to those people who are in need of justice and liberty and peace and welfare uh, in our nation. Isn't it a funny thing that when there is a lack of controversy, when there is a harmoniousness about how a nation functions, that you've got churches uh, that are coming from these different flavours, which would be happy to throw stones at one another because there are theological differences. But when you've got this heating up that we've seen now over years uh, here in Australia, and there is a hostility towards anything that is called Christian, that all of a sudden there is an opportunity for a unifying of a voice. Mm. Uh, no matter what flavor you come from, this idea of a unified voice becomes very significant, and this is what we perhaps see happening. How do you see that? Is, is this a, a, a unified voice? Because everybody now faces the same sorts of hostility, and somehow or other together we're stronger. What are your thoughts about unity here? It is a more unified voice. Uh, there's, there's still dissent um, and and if not dissent, differences of opinion. Uh, you've got um, characters who I won't bother naming, but they are just so far from the spirit of Messiah, so far from biblically faithful, um, that they are still ready mockers of, of authentic Christianity uh, while wearing a clerical collar. And again, I, I won't name them. If, if you can't imagine them, then that's probably best. But um, what we do have is more unity than ever. And, and this is something that um, God has put on my heart. And the message of the summit is that we do not increase our unity by starting another unity movement. Um, we do not increase our unity by, by trying to come up with a marvelous human strategy. We increase our unity by increasing our discipleship and followership of 
the leader, the ultimate leader of the ultimate unity movement, Jesus Christ and and his church uh, across all denominations, his church, the universal church. And and that, you know, faithful adherence to the scripture um, and permission and grace and mercy for our, our brothers in the body of Christ to follow as they feel led. Uh, they are answerable when they get to heaven for what God has shown them. They're not answerable for what God has shown us um, and vice versa. We have to be faithful to what we see and understand. And part of that faithfulness is learning how to disagree, how to debate and how to pursue truth together without an invested ego so that when we discover truth, whoever was in error and now has a better revelation, if not both of us, then that person still feels blessed and like a winner because they've lost the liability of ignorance. Let's talk context here because just recently we saw in Victoria the passing of laws which will criminalise Christian prayer for people who uh, have unwanted same-sex attraction. Uh, It'll criminalise pastoral care for those people. Uh, We've also got a Western Australian state election that's coming up just uh, two or three weeks away. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've even got the potential for another federal election, perhaps later this year. Perhaps it'll go into uh, 2022. But we've got a context here. We've got Christian leaders. We've got this interest in politics. It's not just a talk fest. Uh, Things from this can, can grow out of it into actual positive community action. How do you see the context of things as, uh, as this summit is now we're on the eve of it? Interesting. I, I guess I don't see it too differently uh, because, again, something that's always been the message of the Church and State Summit and, and the ministry throughout the year has been the context is generational not electoral. Uh, And the call isn't to a particular election outcome. The call is to a Christian outcome, a doctrine outcome, that we start understanding that good times or bad, stewardship of our democracy, stewardship of our voting rights, stewardship of the liberal, inclusive, pluralistic uh, framework in which we can advocate good ideas and, and public policy is a year-round, lifelong call upon the church. Uh, no different to being a pastor. The pastor has to preach every Sunday, whether it's election time or not. And the church, the individual Christians, have to speak to culture every single day, every single week, every single election. Now, it's not just leaders, is it, who are the ones who are to be salt and light in the public square because... Isn't it the case that we all have a opportunity to participate as salt and light in the public Correct. square? Now, what the public square is, sometimes we think of that as being, you know, on the federal platform in politics or state platforms or local government. But really, this comes down to the positions and the responsibilities and the opportunities mm. that we have within our communities. So when we talk about being salt and light, we're not just talking about, you know, those who are the leaders, so to speak, but totally. uh, this is is this is this is for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Look, there's a um, a trendy new attack on on authentic Christianity, uh, which is using the word dominionism, um, and that is taking a true doctrine. 
to an extreme and criticizing it as a as a straw man a, a false target they, they think if they can criticize dominionism then um, then they've defeated the the need for Christian influence or the permission for Christian influence in, in the public square uh, but the reality is that this is the Great Commission for every single person it, it's not the gift of a pastor and um, and that is, Jesus asked us to be salt and light. I don't think anybody's under the illusion that that was for uh, pastors or apostles or prophets exclusively, but it was for followers of Jesus. That in every context and at every opportunity, we are to be salt and light, having an influence, having an effect uh, of, of the properties that salt and light normally do, healing and flavor, uh, illumination and revealing. That is our, our job uh, to to be every single last one of us. That isn't dominionism. That's discipleship. That's the kingdom of God. That's being salt and light and a city set on a hill at every available opportunity for every person. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. I guess you'd call it a bit of a preview to what is coming up this weekend, the Church and State Summit. It's the fourth one of these summits. Our special guest this hour is Dave Pello. He's the founder of the Church and State Summit. We're getting a little insight into what to expect with some of the speakers. And as I mentioned, there are some controversial speakers on the bill uh, this weekend. In fact, uh, Friday night, Cardinal George Pell is on the bill uh, with a live link from Rome. And Dave Pello, uh, did you have any uh, reservations about booking uh, Cardinal George Pell to be a guest speaker at, at this year's summit? No. I, I sold his book last year um, because he's a brilliant theologian and there was some questions raised about that then. And this was before the High Court decision which exonerated him of all accusations. Uh, but I thought, you know, right or wrong, throwing the baby out with the bathwater um, is silly. I firmly believe that he was guilty of, of all, uh, sorry, innocent of all charges, not guilty, um, based on my own examination of the available reports and evidence. Um, and and so I was happy to express, uh, I guess, my confidence that he was innocent until proven guilty. Um, and the legal processes were satisfied and exhausted. And uh, and the book was good teaching whether he was guilty or not. It was true, it's useful, it's, it's um, good exhortation and, and accurate and reliable resource. Uh, but then the High Court handed down a unanimous, the highest court in Australia, with better access to evidence and testimony than any of us spectators, observers, and hearers of uh, <laughs> prejudicial, uh, according to the the true definition of the word pre-judiciary, um, he, they had the best evidence available, and they said it is very likely that an innocent man has been wrongly convicted. Uh, that was their unanimous verdict. Uh, and so um, there, there's... Two things. There's a lot of people who, who want to hear from him, and he has a lot to offer. But then there's also a deliberate um, signal that I'm trying to say, uh, which is in line with the theme of the summit, the message of the summit this year about 
um, being fearless in the face of the certain persecution that comes from the world. It is a brilliant strategy of the enemy to disqualify our best and brightest leaders from the attack. If, if he can pick us off, uh, then, then that's fantastic. And we need to pray for our leaders for, for grace and for wisdom and, and protection against those strategies. But that also means that in the face of any question, in the face of any reasonable doubt, um, we should not cooperate with those strategies and preemptively deplatform them from the very important battle that we're in for the soul of our nation. For me to disqualify Cardinal Pell um, from from having a voice in the debate, I, I think would be highly presumptuous of me um, without any evidence or conviction or confession of guilt. Okay, so as you say, uh, unanimously... Uh, uh, freed from those accusations uh, because the conviction was squashed uh, quashed by the High Court. Mm. And so when you uh, have someone like a George Pell, um, you don't get to be a cardinal in the Catholic Church without being a fairly bright spark. Mm. And as you say, in the books that he has written, the research that he has done, the scholarship that he has applied uh, over many years, uh, he is addressing a significant topic on the night. And let me just say the topic, Christianity in world history. Now, obviously, that's a big topic, and he will probably cherry pick some particular examples uh, which will relate to uh, the sorts of topics and things that you're ta- talking about and the themes of this year's conference. Uh, how do you expect, you know, Christianity in world history? This is a really big context to pick up on, uh, to zero in on where we are at present in Australia. Well, the importance of us getting at least a helicopter view in the 40 to 50 minutes that he will have to to both teach us and take some questions live from the audience uh, is is that Christianity compares very favorably to all of the other ideas which the media and popular culture holds as cool and acceptable, while Christianity is scorned and derided uh, for for various uh, invalid and untrue claims. And, And so I actually want to spend Friday setting the record straight and building a foundation where Christians can have confidence, not only in our doctrine and in our scriptures and and in our um, in our God, but actually have confidence in our track record that both in Australia and world history, there is no better ideology for creating a flourishing society where where people have the least poverty, the most freedom, and the least tyranny, the most equality the least racism, you know, in every time, in every age, in every nation, the nations that have had Christian values and the more of them, the better, uh, those nations have favoured, have have compared favourably to all of the alternatives which are currently being put forward. And, And this lends itself as the foundation to the assertion of Saturday's speakers, which is that Christian values are good for our parliament, good for our people, good for our nation. It's not a theocracy. It, it's the basic duty of legislation to to protect our freedoms, which are God-given, and to protect us from, from threats both domestic and foreign. 
and so if we can say, well, hang on, let's look at the scoreboard. Has socialism, has Marxism, has communism, has nihilism, has atheism, has capitalism, has any of these isms done as well for a society as Christianity has? And so Cardinal Pell, with a PhD from Oxford in church history, is certainly qualified to speak to and instruct us on the comparative study of, of social policies which undergird um, any, any society, and Christianity is the best. So confidence is the focus for the Friday night sessions, uh, the idea of building a foundation in place. And uh, that's where you've got uh, a couple of very well-equipped apologists who are going to be talking even on issues of science. And uh, I think uh, I mentioned in the introduction the idea that Christianity has been buried in science. Uh, These sorts of things are going to really shape the confidence of those who are watching the Friday night sessions. They'll be important. The apologetics is actually Friday afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So Friday afternoon, <coughs> Friday night. Uh, Friday these, night is yeah. the history side of things. Okay, fabulous. So uh, the sweep then of the uh, upcoming summit has an intentional purpose uh, that mm. you'll be introduced uh, to topics and themes early on and they will build on uh, those themes as the whole uh, summit continues. And uh, by the end of it, uh, everyone will be jumping up and down saying, we can do this. Absolutely. Uh, most of these, all of these topics should be things we've heard before. Uh, and and for those who haven't heard them before, they're absolutely essential. Uh, so for those who have heard them before, they're, they're great to be refreshed on and reinvigorated and reminded of. Uh, but Friday afternoon, Christianity is true. We'll be dealing with uh, philosophy and science and humanity as evidences for Christianity, we we do not want an intellectually afraid church. We want a church that understands that the Bible is true, that Christianity is true, uh, and that's a very important part of our confidence, as well as the historical aspects of Friday night, which will prove that Christianity, he, sorry, Christianity is good. Uh, science cannot bury Christianity. Because science requires good philosophy to be trustworthy. If you can't tell a scientist you have to tell the truth, um, you can't trust the scientist. Uh, But you can't tell the scientist uh, you have to tell the truth in your research and reports unless you have the necessity of, of philosophy. And so good philosophy is actually more important than good science, for without it, good science is useless. Okay, now I do want to open our talkback line on 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts on the theme of the conference that's coming up, on the inclusion of Cardinal George Pell. You might have your own thoughts. You might not think that it's a good idea. You might think that it is a good idea. You might have your own thoughts on what unifies people who come under this banner of Christianity. If Christ is head and we're all a part of the body, I mean, you might have your own thoughts there. The question I'm asking today on our Facebook question, and you might like to respond to that. Not everyone wants to call in, but I do encourage you on 1-800-316-316. But you might like to respond to today's Facebook question, whose fault is it 
if Christians are not being heard in the big issues Australia faces today. Uh, just a couple of minutes out of uh, out from news, uh, Dave Pella, from asking you that question, uh, whose fault is it if Christians are not being heard? Uh, what's your immediate response? Mine. It's my fault. Uh, and I want every one of us to have that attitude. Um, we are disempowered, impotent and useless if we don't take responsibility. But when we take responsibility for the Christian voice being heard, then we have the power, we have the solutions, and we can make the difference. Interesting, isn't it, uh, that when people go for counselling for all sorts of areas of lack of confidence and uh, feeling rejected, uh, failed on the sporting field or wherever it might be, um, as I understand it, <coughs> counsellors often will come back to Whose fault is this? Or how do you actually look at yourself and say, these are my problems, uh, these are my weaknesses, uh, and when I've actually decided that, yes, there is a fault in me, then I can take some level of responsibility in coming out of that. So uh, interesting way that we might align these sorts of thoughts uh, with where we're at in Australia's cultural context today. Whose fault is it if Christians are not being heard in the big issues Australia faces today? You can find that question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You might like to engage with other listeners as they put their own thoughts on there. In fact, Dave, before we move on into some other issues, let's reflect a response or two from some listeners to that question, whose fault is it if Christians are not being heard in the big issues Australia faces today? Sue says... Christians were silent when these issues were in the early stages, when things didn't look like they could get so bad. Now the world doesn't want to hear what we have to say and our reasons for saying them. I wonder if you've got a thought or two for Sue and uh, her reflection. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point, and, and it's very easy to observe apathy. Uh, and I, I think there's two main reasons uh, why church and state ministry is so important. One is to speak to the apathy, uh, and the other is to sp- to speak to the lack of information, dare I say ignorance, uh, around the necessary imperative uh, between Christianity and culture, politics, uh, religion and politics. And, and, and we haven't taught about this in church for a long time, and so there's a lot of ignorance there. And, and it's difficult to talk about uh, important public issues because uh, the issues that are debated hotly in the public square are debated because there's a debate. Uh, there's no question about should we allow people to drive at 200 kilometres an hour in an unregistered vehicle while drunk and uninsured. There's no debate about that. There's no difference of opinion. We all agree that it's bad, but where the debate occurs, um, there's people who are invested and have feelings about it. And so it's natural for a church to want to stay away from debate. Uh, but that is exactly what the whole Word of God is. It is a stumbling block to unrighteousness. And that is why it's actually critically important to be asserted and not removed uh, from, from the public space. What Sue talks about is, is, I guess, represented by the title of that famous book and movie all about the the creeping permissiveness of perversion, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, and so the Word of God is black and white 
on so many important public issues, and yet uh, 2% more grey, one of those 50 shades, is something that we don't feel is is a, a dire situation needing our attention. And yet it'll be another 2% and another 2% and another 2% until we've got 50% grey, uh, half the way to black. And so the question is, at what point is, is too much? At what point is the compromise on morality and the way we treat our neighbours uh, legislation affecting those things, at what point is it too much and then deserving of the church's voice to the public square? And the answer is at every point. How would God answer that question? And that is preaching righteousness, truth, justice, liberty, the word of God. It's not our job to make people do what they don't want to do. Uh, but in a pluralistic, inclusive, liberal democracy like Australia, we are invited to have a say. And the word of God encourages us to be the conscience of our society. Another response to that question, whose fault is it if Christians are not being heard in the big issues Australia faces today? Stella says the people in charge of the country are deliberately ignoring us. I wonder whether it is the leaders who might be ignoring the church and perhaps there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes we don't even know about, uh, but whether it is the spirit of the age which has blinded the hearts and minds of people. Uh, There's a certain sense we could get into all sorts of conversation about that, but uh, this idea of being deliberately ignored. Dave, your thoughts? Uh, Of course. Why would a politician listen to somebody who's not going to uh, change their future. Uh, it's like a, a business uh, with loyal customers um, who occasionally complain but nevertheless keep buying from them. Why would they actually change that? What they're going to do is they're going to go after the customers they don't have uh, because they, they can keep the customers they have with just the merest bit of attention. So what we have to do is learn about our purchasing power as a metaphor for politics and we have to say we are only going to shop with the politicians who give us the the cultural supply, the legislation supply, the products that we're after. So if we want uh, faithfulness to Christian values, whether we're Christian or not, Christian values are something that even non-Christians appreciate, such as Uh, Private property, you shall not steal. Uh, The sanctity of life, you shall not murder. Um, These are really common values. Uh, And so if you want Christian values, uh, then we actually have to say uh, there are a couple of deal-breaker issues, and if you don't reflect those, you don't represent me, you don't get my vote. So what I'm saying is they ignore us because they can get away with it. We have to be, and this is what the Church and State Summit is all about, giving more information and education on, we have to be politically educated. Ignorance and apathy is no longer okay. We have to get informed, like everybody else in Australia, no special privileges for Christians, but if trade unionists and environmentalists and anti-humanists can get into the public square and get their influence, so can we. We just have to learn the game, understand the rules, and rule one is, if they can ignore you, they will. 
Uh, and so we have to say, you can't ignore us any, lo- any longer. We're going to give support and encouragement and boldness to the people who represent us and withdraw that offer from the people who don't. And as you say, it's not about domination, but it is about flexing a muscle. And when you flex the muscle, then you capture the attention of those who are in leadership because all of a sudden their future depends on your vote. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, you can respond to this Facebook question, Whose fault is it if Christians are not being heard in the big issues Australia faces today? Christy says, Is it really anybody's fault? People want what they want. And Eileen has responded to the question. Eileen says, I even find it hard to talk about big issues with church members and family. No one seems to want to talk. Perhaps we have lost the art of debating. What are your thoughts for Eileen? So insightful and and so accurate. Um, And... The shoe fits on the other foot as well. It could be that some of us who are into talking about politics are too aggressive and abrasive and aren't communicating in a way um, that keeps somebody in the conversation. Um, And so it's important to know that we must continue to advocate these things without cutting relationship. Uh, But uh, one of the things that's actually beneath my email signature is this fantastic quote, which Eileen has encapsulated so well, and that is, instead of not talking about religion and politics. We should have been learning all along how to have important discussions about difficult topics. And so the question here is, can we learn how to disagree? Uh, And that's certainly going to be the case of some of those people who are afraid of having these conversations at all. Uh, And that is that they're afraid of disagreement and they don't know how to disengage ego and emotion from it and just be intellectual about it. Uh, and another word for that, maybe a better word, is curious. Maybe the other person has something that they can teach us. And that's a really humble way to approach all doctrine, including what God says about important public issues. Taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Darren. And uh, Darren is in Brisbane, Queensland. Hello, Darren. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Very well, Darren. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, look, um, I've been a, a Christian for, like, I, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12, and, and like, I, I was a awesome. troubled youth. Even though I gave my heart as a young boy, um, I, 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 I fell in and out of trouble, but then I came back to the Lord, and, it's, it's, like, it's been a struggle, you know, to be a walking in as a Christian in, in the world, like, not, not going out into the world and being a part of the world, like, and it's so hard to not, you know, um, as a um when I go to these churches um I see a lot of uh, and 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 like we talk about debates and 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 one of the hardest things that we that we as christian people need to need to face is our treatment of aboriginal people in australia i heard the comment before about how how our australia is not very racist but uh when i look at the aboriginal people and i see their struggle and their plight similar to what Jesus was when he was in the Romans. And I see us as the Romans here in Australia on the Aboriginal people, if you know what I mean, as a Christian. And I don't want to put down any Christian because we're not aware of that. We're not aware that Aboriginal people are mistreated and and don't have a treaty in their own country, that South Africa got its apartheid policy off Australia. So all these issues that that they face, and and we as Aboriginal, uh, as 
Christians, we don't talk about this to each other or our treatment of Aboriginal people. I see all our churches built on Aboriginal land. Darren, there's some important points you're making there and some that will be coloured in a certain way. And just to pick up on one of those, and I'll get Dave to comment here, there is a certain sense, isn't there, when we talk about Aboriginal issues, and I can hear this in Darren's comment, that there is an alignment with the colonialism that did bring... Uh, dreadful uh, historic times for the Aboriginal people. And uh, with the arrival of disease, uh, with the arrival of all sorts of things that were endeavours to wipe out the Aboriginal people, and those things were absolutely awful. And there's criticism sometimes that comes of the Christian church and right criticism that not enough was done, but let me be defensive here, that it was the Christian church that provided sanctuary while there were dreadful times, even slaughters and massacres of Aboriginal people. And when you hear of Christian missions all around Australia, that is testament to the fact that Christians saw the Aboriginal people not as animals, but as equal, made in the image of God and wonderful people of value. So uh, when we hear of uh, Darren there, who is aligning somehow or other Christianity with uh, the evils that have come against the uh, Aboriginal people, that perhaps mm. is not a fair <clears throat> assessment. And uh, so just to take uh, issue of that, but but getting a thought or two from here uh, from you, Dave Pello, uh, Darren raises some important points, although he's taking us off on a little bit of a tangent. No, very good points raised. And, and to clarify, my statement that Australia is one of the least racist nations in the world is not a statement that there is no racism, um, uh, that there is no poverty, that there is no injustice. Of course there is. There's heaps of it. If, if there was one issue I wanted to solve today, uh, if God granted me one prayer of, of anything I wanted, um, you know, his wisdom's obviously better than mine, so he's not going to. But I would end the slaughter of 100,000 children in our abortion clinics every year. Uh, our nation is far from the vision that God has for a just and, and uh, righteous, wise, peaceful free nation. Um, However, uh, my people were invaded by the actual Romans um, in England two, two and a half thousand years ago, and they were cruel and they were barbaric. Uh, They were nowhere near as as, uh, peaceful and evolved as the British, who were definitely of their own problems. Uh, But in, in the English Isles, when Rome invaded them, uh, there's this thing called Pax Romana, Roman peace, uh, and they instituted and implemented very, very brutal justice. But it was a, a system of legislation and um, a justice system which uh, wasn't Christian in the least bit. It, it was pagan, um, but it ended, and, and praise God, the Romans invaded England because inv- it, it ended the brutal culture that the English people had two and a half thousand years ago uh, and the pagan culture of worshipping nature and spirits in trees and and fertility rituals and 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 the horrifically violent culture that we had two two and a half thousand years ago Uh, and when the Roman culture uh, was redeemed with Christianity that also spread through the Roman roads and and through the Roman culture which was then in England and thus the gospel was brought to 
So do I resent that uh, violence and imperialism by Romans on the English Isles? Absolutely. Um, But what I do say uh, is that evidence Australia is one of the least racist nations in the world. Uh, Though not arrived, we are far more mature and civilised than most other nations is that there is no refugee queue for people to leave Australia and flee the persecution that they believe they're facing here uh, in the belief that there is a better alternative anywhere. Uh, And so the argument of the Church and State Summit, the confidence we can have in our Christianity, is that the more a nation uh, adheres to Christianity in its legislation and values, the better it becomes. Will there be a perfect society short of the millennial reign of Christ? No. Um, But overwhelmingly, the people of the world are voting with their feet and they are fleeing uh, troubled nations and predominantly their destination of choice is a nation with a Christian foundation for its culture and society. And so that's something we can be confidently advocating for more of. And uh, thank you so much, Darren, for your call. And uh, listeners will have heard uh, there was a certain colouring in there. Uh, But my encouragement to you, Darren, is that uh, there are some allies to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples of Australia uh, when it comes to issues around the future of reconciliation. And the ally that you have is the Christian Church. And uh, have a number of guests uh, and uh, will continue to have guests and unpacking a lot of those sorts of issues about where the Christian Church is in all of that. Uh, so when listeners can hear in Darren's comment there that somehow or other Christianity is aligned with the aggressors against the Aboriginal people, it's a false narrative and one that ought to be rejected by people who are... Uh, uh, Christian believers? Uh, We've only got uh, 14 sessions um, this year, uh, which is a lot still, uh, but certainly can't tackle every issue every year. Something that God's put on my heart in planning for 2022 already is to to get a a really mature Christian indigenous um, leader to to be talking about an issue yet to or topic yet to be decided. Um, for for next year. So that's definitely something that I agree with you. Um, The heart of God beats for and his church should also be concerned with. Thanks so much for Darren's call. Let's take another call. Graham is on the line from Bernie in Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Welcome. Hello. We're living in the last days. It said there will be a falling away, a falling away from the almighty God's truth. We see that is in our government. There's no real man standing up for God anymore it's all just one way now if I was to preach very strongly today in my town truly preaching I would be arrested is that not true? That I think has some truth and we're moving more and more in that way of hostility against the Christian voice and the Christian voice on the street and what people who are listening to you might draw out of you, which is so controversial that you potentially could be arrested. To your point, there's uh, believers in China today praying for a pastor in jail in Canada. Okay. And uh, the idea that there will be leaders who will be taken before the courts 
uh, is not beyond where we're headed. And uh, I don't think this is an overreaction. Some people might think of it as somehow rather a sensationalised way of seeing things. Uh, But this is what I glean. And if you're a regular listener to this program and some of the guests we have on, we are headed in this direction and there are some challenging times ahead. Graham, thank you so much for your call. Let's put a line under everything now because we're running out of time. And I do want to let listeners know how they can be a part of this year's Church and State Summit. It's on this Friday, starts around lunchtime and goes through until later on Saturday night. Uh, It's going to be live streamed, Dave Pello. Uh, Just uh, for listeners listening to us all around Australia, where can they go and how can they be a part of the live stream of the program? Because not everyone can get to Brisbane where this is going to be staged. I definitely encourage everybody to watch the the live stream. Not only will you get the live stream, but you'll get all 14 sessions available to download and stream on demand at your leisure if you can't watch the whole thing live with us. Uh, So the website is churchandstate.com.au and you will see a link there in the menu and on the main page to the live stream. Uh, Make sure you use your email address because that's where your access code will be sent. Uh, And you can also go direct to that page, uh, churchandstate.com.au forward slash live stream. Okay, and if people want to be there, if they're in southeast Queensland, northern New South Wales, uh, easy driving distance to be a part of this year's event, uh, where's it being staged? It's being staged uh, just north of Beanley, uh, between Brisbane and the Gold Coast, uh, and there are currently 18 tickets left. Okay, only 18 tickets left. You'd need to be quick to be able to snap one of those up to be in the audience for the presentation that starts on Friday lunchtime. It's the Church and State Summit, the fourth annual Church and State Summit. Uh, quickly, Dave, if you've got a, a bit a bit of a rundown, we've mentioned some of the speakers who are going to be on the bill. Uh, listeners, if you were listening last week, you would have heard David Old, the Reverend David Old. Uh, he is going to be one of the speakers too. That's the conversation we had about, uh, you know, help my church's uh, teaching heresy. Uh, that's an interesting topic, no doubt, that listeners will want to be a part of. What other speakers on the bill, Dave? Uh, well, your listeners would also be familiar with Carl Fays, who you had in, and Martin Isles, who's a very popular speaker and a regular guest on your show as well. You've mentioned Senator Matt Canavan. We're also having Senator Amanda Stoker, uh, Martin Isles, David Goodwin and myself. The four of us will be uh, debating four topics for a half hour each um, in the final session on Saturday. Uh, Dan Patterson uh, and uh, another of his colleagues um, who are, are great, renowned apologetics speakers will be speaking, one live via video from Perth, uh, Dan Patterson here in person. Angela Forker is a fantastic uh, testimony of the fact that uh, we don't need a new unity movement, that Jesus is our unity leader. Uh, she has a ministry to culture which um, grew out of her just being faithful with what she had. Uh, and that was her skills at photography. And she now has a globally renowned uh, ministry to women who are post-abortion and talking about the real impact of the injustice of the abortion industry on the world. Uh, Wendy Francis is always great. Um, David Ould, as you mentioned. Uh, so, yeah, 14 sessions, a dozen or, or more speakers um, yeah. And you're not restricted wherever you might live all around Australia. Go to churchandstate.com.au uh, to be a part of this year's event. Uh, whether we're talking confidence, 
onto conviction and courage in the public square. Uh, that's the goal of this year's Church and State Summit. Uh, Dave Pello. Can I just add, if anybody wants to get the videos to give to their pastor, uh, well, they can bless the ministry and, and buy an extra set for them, but I would be happy to give them to their pastor as well. Uh, so just give me the pastor's contact details. I'll fill out the form and, and send them free access to the videos as a resource and a blessing and an encouragement uh, to help more pulpits um, be better equipped, better informed, because uh, there's, there's a lot of research that's hard to do all by yourself, and that's what we're here to help with. Dave Pello, great getting your insights as always. Uh, churchandstate.com.au, uh, the good source. Let me just mention goodsource.news. Uh, Pello Talk streamed on a th- Tuesday night, and you also host Not Q&A on Thursday nights. There's lots of other uh, well-known leaders who are a part of the Good Source News, uh, goodsource.news. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for updating us today on 2020. Thanks for your support, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.